It gives us concrete recommendations about what we can do as individual lawyers and as law firm leaders across this country and beyond in order to make sure that we're keeping this talent within our ranks. We made a point to survey experienced women, experienced men, and managing partners to see if they had the same view of what it meant to practice law in a firm. Stephanie and I wanted to understand the factors and experiences influencing experienced women lawyers to remain or leave their law firms and whether, as Stephanie said, experienced women lawyers are being afforded the same opportunities to succeed as their male colleagues. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Lawyer to Lawyer, with J. Craig Williams, bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi coming to you from Massachusetts. Uh, and no, this is not deja vu all over again, although I used to be the host of this show and, and haven't been hosting it for the past year. Uh, I'm here today uh, filling in for Craig Williams, who's off in court. Uh, and I was the longtime host of this show. I now do another podcast called Law Next, which you can find at lawnext.com. And uh, by day, I uh, am a lawyer and publisher and editor-in-chief of lexblog.com. Before we introduce today's topic, let me just take a quick moment to uh, welcome and thank our sponsors, Clio and uh, Blue Jay Legal. Clio's cloud-based practice management software makes it easy to manage your law firm from intake to invoice. You can try it for free at clio.com, C-L-I-O.com. And Blue Jay Legal is uh, AI-powered foresight platforms accurately predict court outcomes and accelerate case research by using factors instead of keywords. Learn more about that at bluejlegal.com. That's the word blue, the letter J, and legal, which hopefully you all know how to spell, .com. Well, although it's been some 40 years since women have started entering the practice of law in large numbers, uh, and even though women make up as much as half of incoming associates each year, they still account for just 20% of equity partners at larger firms. Uh, part of the reason for this is that there is a particularly high rate of attrition for women in law, even at advanced stages of their career. So why is this and what can law firms do to counter this? To get to the bottom of this, the American Bar Association and ALM Intelligence collaborated on a survey of women and men at NLJ 500 law firms. They recently published the findings of that survey in a report entitled, Walking Out the Door, The Facts, Figures, and Future of Experienced Women Lawyers in Private Practice. So today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to talk to the two attorneys who authored that study, as well as the president of the American Bar Association. So let me introduce today's guests. First, uh, let me introduce the president of the American Bar Association, Judy Perry Martinez. Over the past 35 years, Judy has held various leadership positions with the ABA, including chair of the Standing Committee on the Federal Judiciary, which evaluates all nominees to the federal bench. She's also an attorney with Simon Peregrine Smith and Redfern in the wonderful city of New Orleans. Judy, uh, welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer. Thanks, Bob. I'm delighted to be with you again. Yeah, and you were you were recently uh, on my other podcast, so it's good to talk to you again. And uh, our 
next two guests are, as I said, the authors of this report, starting with Roberta Liebenberg, who goes by Bobby, and we'll be calling her that on the show, is a partner at Fine, Kaplan & Black in Philadelphia, where she focuses her practice on class actions, antitrust, and complex commercial litigation, and white-collar criminal defense. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, Bobby. Thank you so much, and thank you for looking and examining this study. Thanks for being with us, and I, I know we caught you coming right out of court, so I uh, really appreciate yes. it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Stephanie Scharf. Uh, Stephanie is a partner at Scharf Banks Marmor LLC. Uh, she represents corporate clients and government entities in litigation and arbitration in a wide range of commercial disputes, class action defense, partner product liability, and mass tort defense, insurance coverage for corporate policyholders, and employment litigation. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, Stephanie Scharf. Thank you very much. So, um, Judy, let me start with you, and maybe you could set the stage for us by uh, giving us the background on on how it came about that the that the ABA uh, uh, conducted this survey, got involved with this survey, and, and what were kind of the goals and the mission of this? You know, Bob, the ABA's Commission on Women in the Profession has a long history of bringing issues to the forefront that they know are impacting the legal profession as a whole, as well as the people whom we serve. And one of those issues is the number of women in the peaks of their careers who have for some time now been walking out the door, thus the name of the study that we're going to be talking about today. And this has been an ongoing crisis in the legal profession. And as you noted, the numbers, when you look at them, just don't add up to what we want the profession to be. And that collective we is everyone in the profession, because we know if we don't have the talents and the intellect and the commitment and the energy of women who are within our ranks, because they're leaving to go elsewhere and not staying in practice, then we have a problem that needs to be addressed. So in its wisdom, the uh, Commission on Women in the Profession, during one of my predecessors' uh, years and service as president, Hillary Bast, uh, worked with Hillary, and they made it a priority to make sure that they were going to undertake this study on achieving long-term careers for women in the profession. And what we know is that that study was made possible because of a terrific collaboration by ALM Intelligence with the ABA, and ALM did tremendous work in conducting the survey, which was uh, the backbone or the foundation of the report. And what we also know is that this survey is, its brilliance is really in what it asked and how it delved deeply um, in order to go beyond the surface and understand what we needed to understand in order to, again, advance not only the careers of women, but also, most importantly, to make sure that all of the talent that women bring to our profession is there for the benefit of the clients that we serve and the public. And, and Judy, before we turn to some of the specifics here and uh, some of the findings and recommendations, as you read this report for the first time or, or for however many times, is there anything about it that particularly jumped out to you or surprised you about it? Well, I think the, the, the commonality of the findings is what's so striking. And I know we'll get into that in more detail with these two individuals, Bobby Liebenberg and Stephanie Scharf, who put over two years of uh, work into this study to make sure 
that it was done in a way that would produce meaningful results that could be acted upon. And I think that probably is the greatest takeaway that I have from this study, Bob, and that is that it not only produces the data to show us the path forward, but it also pays the path forward for us. It gives us concrete recommendations about what we can do as individual lawyers and as law firm leaders across this country and beyond in order to make sure that we're keeping this talent within our ranks. You know, I, I think, as you said, that part of what struck me as, as interesting about this uh, survey and reading through it were some of the some of the questions uh, that you that were asked and in, in, in the manner uh, in which they were discussed. Uh, Stephanie uh, and Bobby, I want to kind of turn to you about some of the specifics, but uh, I, I wonder uh, if I, either of you want to kind of start by giving us a, an overview of, of how you approach this and uh, in, in what your goals were in uh, getting involved with this and conducting this survey. Uh, Stephanie, can I start with you on that? Yes. Well, Bobby and I have done a number of studies together. And I think we were struck by the fact that in the past, many studies focused on bottom line statistics, percentage of women, percentage of men, what salary is being made. But there's never, to my knowledge, been a systematic national survey like this on what are the everyday experiences of men and women practicing law and how do those experiences result in very different outcomes over years of a career for women versus men. So when we sat down to design this study and write the questionnaires, we were focused on what do we need to know. And that's why so much of the content has to do with what are your levels of satisfaction with different areas of practicing law? What are the kinds of experiences you have about obtaining success and promotion and salary and working with others, what we call the building blocks for success. And we also wanted to make sure that we had a multidimensional view on what these experiences are. So we made a point to survey experienced women, experienced men, and managing partners to see if they had the same view of what it meant to practice law in a firm. And I think that is one of the unique features of this study, that it's multidimensional, it focuses on what happens in everyday experience, and how does that result in different outcomes. And, and Bobby, the goal here, as I take it, was to be able to examine those everyday experiences in order to help law firms understand how to promote gender diversity. Is that is that a fair way to put it? Yes, and I think I would add on to what Stephanie uh, provided you, um, that the study was prompted by the fact that although women in their 30s and 40s comprise over 40% of all lawyers, by age 50, this percentage drops dramatically, with women over 50 making up just 27% of lawyers uh, over 50 in law firms. So while the common assumption is that the majority of women lawyers leave their law firms during their childbearing years, which begins the drop-off. Our data revealed that far too many experienced women lawyers are leaving the legal profession when they should be in the prime of their careers in terms of compensation and leadership roles in their firms. 
and Stephanie and I wanted to understand the factors and experiences influencing experienced women lawyers to remain or leave their law firms, and whether, as Stephanie said, experienced women lawyers are being afforded the same opportunities to succeed as their male colleagues. And we think that the departure of so many experienced women lawyers from law firms should be a cause for alarm uh, for law firms because it leaves them without a critical mass of experienced women who can participate in firm management and compensation committees. It causes a vacuum of potential role models and sponsors, and it creates a dearth of women who can serve as first chairs at trial and leads on deal. And I think this is really important at a time when clients are increasingly demanding diversity in these roles by law firms. So we think the business case for retaining and advancing experienced women lawyers is crystal clear, and that's why it's so important that we not only set forth this data, but the recommendations and best practices uh, to help address and ameliorate uh, this this issue. Judy, let me ask you, uh, just as, as, as from what you've seen as, as, as a longtime practitioner and, and as the American Bar Association president, I mean, do you think that law firms are committed to providing opportunities for women to advance uh, into the uh, partner ranks? I mean, is this a problem of law firm commitment or is the problem something else as you see it? Well, I think it's a multidimensional problem to use that word that was used earlier by Stephanie. On the challenge side, what we know is that some firms get it and they know when they invest and provide resources and address what is needed by the individual talents in their firm, including women, and make known from a tone-at-the-top perspective what they are going to do in order to assure that they retain that talent, then they're going to have success much more likely in doing so. Um, Another multidimensional challenge is that many law firms um, are, I think, awakening to the fact that they need to educate all levels of members within their firms. And it's not only about management committees um, setting forth edicts of what should happen um, in their firms, but it's also about owning the notion that these firms will never be their best and, in fact, will optimize profits and success if, in fact, they have the talent of women at the table and it within their ranks. So as a consequence, it's about tone at the top, It's about policies and practices and procedures at firms that uh, bring forth that tone and institutionalize it. It's about educating attorneys within all levels and ranks of the firm about the criticality of this understanding and work and commitment to colleagues who deserve no less. So, yes, some firms are getting it, and I believe that they are the ones that are seeing success Others will have to be there to help bring them along, um, because if not, I think we can all predict that they'll never achieve what they can achieve if they don't have women at their best because of firm support, just like we give to men across all levels of the firm. Before we continue the discussion on this report, we're going to uh, take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Stay with us. 
Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With intuitive time tracking, billing, and matter management, Clio streamlines everything you do to run your practice from intake to invoice. Try Clio for free and get a 10% discount for your first six months when you sign up using the code L2L10. That's L2L10. Predict legal outcomes with Blue Jay Legal's Foresight Platforms. Using AI to analyze thousands of cases and administrative rulings, Blue Jay Legal can predict with 90% accuracy on average how a judge would likely rule in your case. Plus, you can research by factors and outcomes to find the relevant cases in seconds. Stay ahead of the curve and learn more at bluejlegal.com. That's blue, the letter J, legal.com. Bluejlegal.com. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer. This is Bob Ambrosi uh, filling in today for J. Craig Williams. And with us today is uh, the president of the American Bar Association, Judy Perry Martinez, and attorneys Stephanie Scharf and Bobby Liebenberg, who are the authors of a new study on why uh, women uh, leave law firms at advanced stages in their career. Uh, Stephanie, I wanted to ask you, you, you referred earlier to the fact that what, part of what you really wanted to do is to go in and look at what the everyday experiences are like uh, for women uh, and men in, in law firms in order to identify the factors that, that, uh, that contribute to success for them. And it, it was interesting about the, the results is, is in, in some ways their experiences are quite similar, but in other ways they're dramatically different. So what, what did you find about how, how it's different for women in large law firms? Well, I'm glad you made that point because there are many areas where the experiences are the same. And those areas generally focus on the actual practice of law. Women and men love the intellectual challenge of the work. They like the work they perform. They like the control over how they do the work, their relationships with colleagues in doing work, and many other aspects of the actual on-the-job experiences. But where it's different and where there are very significant gender gaps are Again, what we're calling these building blocks for success. So men are far more satisfied than women for the recognition received for the work they do. Men are far more satisfied than women for how compensation is determined, with the opportunities for advancement, with the leadership of their firm, and with, the, and with firms' performance evaluation process, and a few other factors. So the fact that it's clear that firms need to do a better job with the less tangible aspects of how people advance and how they're satisfied with their careers. You have a section in the report talking about the concept of access to success. Is that what you're talking about there? Yes, and it is, again, to use the term I used before, a multi-factor concept. Sometimes one of the factors about success is, are you happy with what you're doing? Another factor of success is, is how a firm or an employer is treating you or the experiences that you have satisfactory. So, for example, an enormously great number of women 
have report, and these are all experienced women, report being mistaken for a lower-level employee, or they experience demeaning comments or stories or jokes, or they lack access to business development opportunities, or a bonus or a salary increase, or access to sponsors. And we measured about a dozen such factors that we're calling access to success. And there were just huge differences between what men report experiencing and what women report. So there is a combination of everyday experiences, kind of what we think of as death by a thousand cuts, that over the weeks and over the months and over the years, it really wears women down and does not lift women up the same way men are being lifted up into the higher levels of law firms. I would just add that it is really important that the differences in these everyday work experiences fuel the belief by women lawyers that their efforts and contributions are really not being adequately recognized or rewarded at their law firms. So being denied access to business development opportunities, being denied salary increases, being denied access to sponsors, this, as Stephanie said, this cumulative effect is leading the decision by women lawyers as to whether or not they remain or leave at their law firm. So this perception as a result of their gender, these differences are uh, women report it is because of their gender that they believe these experiences are different. I think that's a really critical point that has to be made. Well, I was going to say, it's fascinating that the uh, dramatic, I mean, you mentioned being mistaken for a lower level employee. The the survey says 82% of of women reported that, whereas 0% of of men in the survey. Uh, Pretty striking differences. Uh, And of course, sexual harassment is an issue as well. I I, I mean, I I think, unfortunately, we, we might expect that to be the case? I mean, did, was there, is that fair to say that, that, I mean, maybe at senior ranks you'll expect it less, but, and I don't mean that, I don't mean to condone it, but I mean, I, I think people are much more aware of sexual harassment as a factor in the workplace than some of these other factors that you talk about. There is a general awareness, although it's also the case that even among women who have been in private practice for many years, 50% of the women said they had received unwanted sexual conduct at work. I mean, in essence, one out of every every two women said they experienced sexual harassment. And that's for the women who stayed. The number we expect is much higher for the women who left. Yeah, that's another alarming finding out of this. So you go on in the survey to talk about, to look at why women lawyers stay at their firm and why they leave their firms. Uh, Bobby, can you explain more what you found there? So our survey found several things in terms of the reasons why experienced women lawyers uh, leave their practice areas, and including stress and the time needed to devote to caretaking commitments. And our research demonstrates um, that experienced senior women lawyers continue to, to bear this disproportionate share of the responsibility for arranging childcare, laundry, cooking, you know, leaving work to take care of children's needs. And I think what's important when you see these responsibilities layered on top of the pressure to market and origination and originate business, 52% of our respondents said that, 
and meet onerous billable hour requirements, uh, 51%. It's clear that, you know, by age 50 or so, you know, experienced women lawyers have, have simply had enough, and, and, and that seems to be drive this cumulative effect again. Uh, this death by a thousand cuts is what determines whether women will stay or remain at their law firm. I would like to add that those results don't mean that that's a woman's problem. Those results mean that firms have to think much more creatively and much more proactively about what they can do to accommodate what is a given reality of life. Why, for example, looking at their part-time and flex-time policy, looking at their policies on leaves of absence. Legal careers can last 40 years. There's no reason why someone has to be written off if for a few years she goes part-time, or even if she takes a leave for a few years. There should be room in a law firm to accommodate much more flexible arrangements so that firms keep this talent and keep women over the long period of time that they should be able to enjoy a career. I really think that's an important point that Stephanie said, and I really would like to reinforce it, because there is evidence that I think some male uh, leaders believe that attrition of, of women lawyers is caused by lifestyle preferences and or an unwillingness to to make the types of sacrifices that are necessary to promote their career. And I think the research just debunks this false narrative. And, and uh, what is holding women back is not a lack of ambition or a lack of drive or an, or an unwillingness to work hard or a dislike for the practice of law, but it's these structural and cultural uh, issues at law firms and the implicit biases uh, that women have to face, and, and the onus is really has to be on law firms to try and figure out how they can address these issues. It's interesting you say that. I mean, I was wondering that as I read the report, because, I mean, the report says that uh, that these women lawyers are are much more likely than men to be the ones solely responsible for multiple dimensions of, of child care in, in, their, in their home lives. I mean, that alone struck me uh, as a surprising finding. I, I, I tend to think uh, uh, many, uh, many couples are, are, are uh, much more evenly balanced these days in terms of uh, 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 assigning and taking care of matters uh, around the home. But it, it left me wondering, what does a law firm do about that when, you know, the problem is some inequity, I think, in, in how things are handled at home. How does a law firm address that? Well, there are ways to address it. Uh, one we mentioned before, take a good look at your part-time and flex-time policies and a policies for leave of absence, and don't treat someone who goes part-time for a while who, as, as somehow inferior or who leaves the firm as dead to the firm. All of these people can come back over a long period of time and have thriving careers. Um, there are other things that firms can do as well. I, I know that some firms have what they, very few, have what they call concierge services to help do things that take up a lot of time but may not require your personal attention. So it's not that any one firm has all the answers, but there are ways to blunt the impact 
of what is the natural reality of many women having full-time responsibility compared to their men uh, partners, full-time responsibility for arranging child care, for children's ex- extracurricular activities. Um, there's a, additional responsibility often for elderly family members. And the bottom line is keeping talent. If you want to keep talent as a law firm, you're going to have to adjust to the reality of what's going on in the world. So you went and looked specifically at what, what's working uh, at firms in terms of promoting gender diversity, and, and you made a, a number of, of recommendations for uh, what firms can do or, or should be doing to pursue that. Can you kind of sum up what some of the key recommendations are here that firms should be looking at? Sure. Um, and I think uh, we started out by saying you know, that what's unique about this study is that the recommendations are actually driven by the empirical results in our, stata, in our, in our study. So these recommendations are data-driven, and I think that it does make these um, somewhat unique. Um, but I think one of the key strategies is you need to set concrete benchmarks and targets and establishing a timeline for what the firm wants to achieve and um, making sure that the firm gets consensus about these strategies and the benchmarks and the timelines. And key to that, of course, are metrics. And, you know, you, you, uh, you can't track what you don't know. So you have to understand how experienced women lawyers are faring in terms of compensation, percentage of equity partnerships, and leadership positions on important committees. Um, and there has to be accountability, right? Firm leaders have to be held accountable if they don't meet these goals uh, that are set forth in the strategies and benchmarks. And this can be done through financial incentives, uh, carrot or stick approach. And I, I would also say a really important issue that firms need to look at is succession. 400,000 baby boomers are set to retire, hopefully, in the next 10 years. And most men who are rainmakers became rainmakers because they inherited clients. So if women are part of this succession strategy, we could create a whole new generation of women rainmakers. And I think it's really, uh, this is a, a, a wonderful opportunity to get women into the higher level of their firm. And you make the point that there is no silver bullet, there is no right answer for every firm, uh, so I assume it's it, you'd, you'd recommend that firms need to figure out what's right for them, what what works best for them, taking into account what you found in your report and what the data shows. Yes, I would reinforce everything Bobby said, but it is important for firms to understand that whether they know what it is, each firm has its own culture, and its culture is operating. And its culture may not be the formal policies. It's what people are doing every day in their, in their practice and how they're encouraging uh, younger lawyers, how they're promoting women lawyers, so that the notion of a strategy is really key. You have to think through who you are and what you're doing at the beginning of any program for change and have a strategy for change And one other factor that I would put into this mix is the business case for diversity. Emphasizing diversity and promoting diversity 
is not simply something to do because it's the right thing to do. It's also something that will really ensure the health and long-term well-being of a firm because it boils down to a matter of talent. In 20 years, over half of this country will be people of color. Today, 50% of graduating law school classes are women, and almost a quarter of them are minority lawyers. If firms don't figure out to retain and advance a diverse set of lawyers, they just won't be here with very many people in the next 10 years. So it's really in a law firm's business interest to figure out what's happening into their firm, in their firm and how they can make much better progress than they've made to date on these issues. Judy, uh, you've been sitting there quietly for a few minutes. Uh, we're, we, we're about at the end of the show, but I wanted to give you a chance. Do you have uh, any kind of final thoughts, concluding thoughts on, on what we've been talking about here that you'd like to leave us with? I think the consensus is that you're hearing is that women across the profession, like women outside of our profession, in all walks of life, carry the overwhelming majority of the mental burden of so much of what goes on at homes and families and in what is necessary in order to have a productive and happy and healthy lifestyle across this country. And as a consequence, that has to be realized. Firms have to take it upon themselves with leadership to sit down and have conversations that are absolutely necessary and have them now, not wait. And they can use this fabulous, thoughtful tool as a way to get those conversations started because the bottom line is that we in this profession need to treat this issue of the long-term careers of women in retaining that talent and intellect and commitment to lawyering at the table as the major investment that it is. And once we consider it that way and law firms consider it that way, I think they'll find out that their return on investment will prove to be very favorable. But it's up to individual lawyer leaders within firms and it's also up to firms as a whole to recognize this for the major investment it is and why it's going to return dividends to them for the years to come, and not only for them, but most importantly for the clients they serve. Stephanie, what's the best way for our listeners to find this report? And, and if they had uh, needed, wanted to follow up with you at all, what's the best way for them to find you? Well, the report is free online at the American Bar Association. If you go to the AmericanBar.org and Google walking out the door, it should be very easy to find. And uh, both Bobby and I are listed in the report, and I'm pretty confident if you Google either of us, you'll easily find our contact information as well, and we'd be delighted to hear from anyone and everyone. And Bob, let me just add one more closing thought, and that is this is a prime example of why, why engagement in the American Bar Association um, makes a difference. Your engagement makes a difference not only to you, the individual lawyer, and I know that Stephanie and Bobby would both attest to that, but it also makes a difference for others. And there is no better example of what the power of many working together can do than this report and this study that was made possible by the talented people we have on the phone with us today, the American Bar Association and ALM Intelligence. 
Uh, well, well, kudos to all of you for for the work on this. It's it's really uh, an important uh, report and 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 a fascinating read. Uh, so I encourage listeners to to uh, do as Stephanie recommended. Uh, get a copy of the report and go through it. It's not all that long, uh, uh, and you can read it uh, pretty quickly. But it's really fascinating. So. Thanks to all three of you for taking the time uh, out of your very busy days to be with us and discuss this report, and thanks for your work on it. That's about it for uh, this program. If you like what you heard today, you can always go in and uh, rate this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all those other wonderful places. Uh, You can also always find uh, this show and a whole bunch of other cool shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com. And you can, of course, comment on today's show there, or you can want to listen to my podcast, you're not going to find it at LegalTalkNetwork.com, but you can go over to LawNext.com and find it there. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for listening. This is Bob Ambrogi. Join us next time for another great legal topic. When you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.